Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 184 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip, and today I am joined by someone I love with all my heart, Miss Paloma Faith. Um, she's great. I love Paloma because she's Paloma. We had a lovely chat just before Christmas we recorded this. She just put her child to bed, and yeah, we had a wonderful chat about anything and everything. With, with a glow of Christmas all around us. We're brought to you as ever by com, where we have loads of good stuff. We've just topped up the um, the POS light blue vinyl. We've got signed copies in the web store now because I, I, I jumped I, I jumped on his tour at the end of the year and did merch for him and got him to sign a load for you lovely people to stock up the web store. So that's exciting. Obviously, we've also got scarves and, and, and woolly hats and umbrellas and loads of good winter stuff so head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com a lot of it is with the the slogan of the label we may not be for you and that's fine uh which is even if you're not into the label it's a dope slogan right you should be getting that merch speechdevelopmentrecords.com and of course um the return of we are lizards my 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 legendary club night um, on January 27th, the first one of 2018, and we had to come in with a big guest. We've got the legend that is Don Letts. He's going to be spinning some tunes. I'm going to be spinning some tunes in a rubber lizard mask. Um, Stu Whiffin and Chris Glasson from the Hardcore Listing Podcast and Drunkcast will be there spinning some tunes. DJ, DJ Destruction, Discotech Credits. It's going to be a good night. Come down to the book club, January 27th. Um, yes, Paloma. I've mentioned a few times when we get into it in the podcast. It's, it's one of the things I was excited about on the podcast was obviously I wanted to talk to her about all the amazing things that has been going on. I mean, the girls just had a number one album. That's huge. That's life-changing. And a child. A number one album and a child, all back-to-back. So that's that's hugely exciting. But I also wanted... She's obviously doing a lot of press around that. If you have a number one album, you're on a lot of TV shows, on a lot of radio shows. So what I wanted to also do was talk about stuff that other interviewers can't of just times that we've hung out in the past and stuff that we've got up to, um, how we kind of met where she was when we started. As I mentioned, um, I'm sure I mentioned it in the podcast, as she was in our, my second music video, the beat of my heart skipped. And yeah, it's, we've known each other a long time and it's amazing to watch her, her grow. I swear she's not changed as a person at all, but to see people become opened up to the wonder that is Paloma Faith and to see it, it exists in in stereo as 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 Paloma should always exist is wonderful. So anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. I'll tell you next week's guest is Gaz Khan, who's fantastic. He's if you've not watched it yet, check out Man Like Mobin. Uh, it's on iPlayer. It was it came out at the end of last year and was critically acclaimed and praised. It's a wonderful little series on BBC Three. He also did. I live at the Apollo on New Year's Eve, which was amazing. I watched that, and then I thoroughly enjoyed looking on Twitter at the praise coming in at him, and then I enjoyed more because I'm a weirdo, the small number of right-wing idiots who were getting angry about this Muslim man are making jokes and being hilarious and, and being wonderful. And I, I, love, I love watching idiots get annoyed at nothing. So that was good. But... Let's get on with Paloma Faith. This is episode 184 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with my guest this week, Miss Paloma Faith. 
This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. That's the bit I have to warn you of. And I was going to warn you specifically because when you and me meet up, we do always speak quite freely and quite openly. Um, so you might not want to get yourself in any trouble. Um, I'm, I'm joined by Paloma Faith. I, I feel like, even though we don't have to, I feel like I'm having to talk a bit quiet because because your little one's asleep. Yeah, can you hear that shh in the background? That's how I get the baby to sleep. It's one of them things, it's isn't it? It's the that monitor that shushes. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, right? How wonderful is technology? Know, it means you don't even have to be there. <laughs> but you have, you know, you've just you've just popped the baby to bed, and mm. uh, you're in your new in your new house, and you're a, new... a, a proper little grown up. How's that feel? Got a mortgage and everything. You got a mortgage. So weird. You also got a number one album. There's there's a lot of stuff in there. There's grown up. <laughs> it's proper grown up stuff, but. How We've are known you within each it all? For a long time, haven't we? Yeah, it's been a good. It's over ten years, I reckon. Yeah, so since like I think I knew you before I got a record deal. Yeah, yeah. When I was really desperately trying to get one. Yeah, I, I always remember seeing you. I had to. I and spent you were really ages desperately trying to not get trying one. to not get a record. <laughs> trying to avoid record deals. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing you. Uh, um, Favela Chic. I had to think ages what that place was called. It's one mm. that was on the corner in Shoreditch. I don't know yeah. if it's there still. I remember it's, it's coming to, to, to see you there once after we'd played a few gigs together and thinking she has to make it because you can't keep playing these tiny pubs with your huge productions and amazing costumes and all sorts of other stuff. It's like... It's not going to work. You've got to you've got to be doing arenas and stadiums. So it's kind of it was n- nice to see it all, all grow and go. See, see. Yeah, it makes I sense. feel like now, like all my ideas are a bit defunct though, because back then I was doing stuff like going to Dalston Market and buying like two feather pillows and emptying them onto a stage and putting two wind machines facing each other to make sort of a snowstorm. Yeah. But if I like walked onto like the O2 arena and just emptied a cup of cheap leather um <laughs> feather pillows onto the stage plugged in the great. wind machine people would be like mm, i think i want a refund dear Ticketmaster." i think at, <laughs> at, at your biggest at your next b- biggest gig you should build a small stage on stage. I always remember seeing, I think it was, it was Fugazi once, playing this big venue and they set up as if they were in the corner of a pub. So they, they literally filled three metres of the stage, just That's drums, sweet. amps around each other and played it like that. I was like, yeah, you could do that. You can build a little... Little stage within a the stage. A pub stage within the stage and then, then burst out of it. It's perfect. <laughs> but how have you found that kind of... Because it's been a long journey. You've been doing this 10 years, right? Mm, How's yeah. that been? Climbing and because it is an odd industry, it is a cutthroat and and brutal industry at times, particularly for a lady. I feel like I feel happy that I mean, I was I'm always I feel like I'm always feeling like the next record's the one that's going to be the end of my career, right? So every time I'm about to put an album out, I just have this look few months where I'm sort of planning what I'm going to do if it flops and I always say it in interviews because it's true I do like think that and 
the further along my career I get and the longer I'm in music, the the smaller my ideas get and the more I get like, I don't know what else to do because I've not done anything else for so long. Yeah. Whereas at the beginning I used to be like, oh, it's only been a couple of years. I could go back to that or that. Now I'm just feeling like, oh no, what am I going to do? Because this is all I've done for 10 years. Yeah. So I had a bit of a panic before this album because I was a bit like, I've had a baby, you know, I am a modern woman, I'm the breadwinner. People keep saying the main breadwinner and I'm like, no, I'm not the main breadwinner. I'm just the breadwinner. Yeah. And I was a bit like, what am I going to do if it falls through my plan? Yeah. It's scary, particularly as well, because like when I met Paloma, you were doing acting, you were doing music, you were doing all these other things. And that's how I knew you as, as someone jumping into everything. But as soon as the world knows you as Paloma, specifically a singer, there mm. is that thing then, right, that's what I do now. Yeah, if this doesn't work, plan, how do I swap yeah, and change your move? my was go and do teach training, but I can't do that anymore because I'd have to wait a good sort of five years probably to do it. Yeah. Otherwise it would be like, why is Paloma Faith my yeah. teacher? <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't as organised as me of just... I just grew a beard, so as soon as I want to bounce, I just shave and I'm done. No one knows. I, I can just vanish. Grow a beard. Grow a beard. I'll give you to my, go into teaching. So I'll be we'll the both quit together lady. at some point. I'll shave my beard off and give it to you. Just stick it on. <laughs> then we're covered. We can vanish. <laughs> my teacher's a bearded lady. <laughs> Gender neutral. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's your 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 quote of the of that's of gonna the year be my new moment, middle name, it? Paloma Gender Neutral. Right? <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll just like hip hop acts that have quotes. <laughs> yeah, in the yeah you have to have a quote. I remember, and this isn't ju- honestly, this isn't just going to be us reminiscing. But I remember <laughs> when we were hanging out in LA a few years back. We both happened to be out there at the same time and I came along to a club that you were going to that had, it had a, a, a performing midget that flew along the ceiling at one point. Um, it had a giant lady. You're going to um, get me in trouble. No, it, it was a lovely club. It was a lovely club. It was great. But I, the excitement that you had when you sat down and told me, you said, um, just speaking of, of rappers, you said, I met a guy called The Game last night and he sat down and said, I've sold... 20 million records or something and I live in this and you said well I'm Paloma and I've sold X amount and I live in a house in this and just gave in the rundown and I was like it's just again it's just yeah, I was he like, won't have known what hit him I live in him. a two bed in East London and I've sold about 12,000 albums <laughs> and he was like I've sold 12 million my name's the game I can't believe you don't, don't know who I am <laughs> anyway I mean I did say to him as well th- because he had like an entourage with him, this big rapper, that some listeners might know who he is, but some won't have a clue because I didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he had like a big entourage of about 15 people that all just laughed at everything he said and agreed with him. And I said, do you pay them not to agree with everything you say and laugh at everything you say? Because <laughs> it's not that funny. And he was like, you know what? He put his arm around me quietly whispering. He goes... They're boring. I want to hang out with you because <laughs> you're keeping me real. And then he actually put a post of a picture of us on his Instagram. I realised he had about 24 million followers on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, no. All I right. Hello, mate. But that's what excites me about 
your or it's one of the things that excites me about your continued success is the places that you're going to be that you know they they're not going to know what's about to hit them or what's going to hit them because again you are very honest and open and you're not going to just be like the game or or you're not particularly going to care if someone says i've sold 12 million or whatever else you're going to be more all right so what are you into? Or do you know what I mean? Like, what, rather than just what that. about you? Tell, tell me. <laughs> Let me look into your soul, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of a nice, a nice thing to watch. It's quite funny, though, because um, I often end up in situations with people who are really successful and I don't know who they are because I know that I've got a telly there, but that's just for my mum when she babysits. I don't switch it on. I don't know who anyone is. I mm. still don't. Yeah. So I'm quite often in situations where, although I did meet Jack Black the other day and I definitely knew who he was. Of course, how was that? And his back was turned to me and I went up behind him and I put my arm around him and I said in his ear, I said something like, (laughs) it's you and me for infinity, close your eyes and bathe in the seas of our desires this is forever, this is you and me, this is forever, dream with me. And he was like, whoa, that was an intro, and he turned around, and then I goes, you have no idea who I am, and he said, no, I don't, but I liked it, and then he shook my hand, <laughs> and then he ended up singing with me on Chris Evans' radio show. Amazing, how was that? I carry all I want for Christmas together. Beautiful. Did you a, see it? What a, 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 a world where these strange comings together can I just happen. I was like, oh, really hoping that he would marry me after that but it didn't work he didn't even ask for my number this time he's got people his people can talk to your people that's how it works when you're famous you don't actually exchange numbers anymore that's so i just wanted him to be part of my harem of husbands (laughs) it's good to add to it's good to build a collection but there is there is something in that because it's it's weird that i worry sometimes that people who have grown up in a social media world will get this illusion that they've got all these people who know them therefore everyone should know them or be insu- insulted if someone doesn't know them yeah. I, I mean i don't think that's the case my example is always with um always i use ed sheeran as an example because he's a nice lad yeah he's, he's been a he's been around at shows i used to do for years and i look and see he's got say 30 30 million followers that's probably he's, he's probably got tons more than that but say it's, yeah. it's 30 million that means there's what six point two billion who people don't follow him. Don't, yeah. So it's like it's, 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 that's a lot of followers. That's a lot of people that know you, but that's also a lot of people that don't. Have, aren't, aren't being interested rude. Interested in what you're posting. Yeah, on and, and, it, and it and it shouldn't be an insult or uh, anything you get offended by. It should be like, all right, well, I'll explain. I'm yeah. Paloma. I've sold twelve thousand records and I've got a three bed in East London. You know, <laughs> I did um, meet my new neighbour because I just moved house this morning and I said oh very nice to meet you my name's Paloma and she said to me I know who you are and I said but I can't assume you do can I and she was like oh well that's really nice and I was just like but why is that really nice yeah yeah I didn't want to like make her feel like weird so I sort of just smiled because I didn't want to start being pedantic (laughs) well why is that really nice because because it would have been awkward but it shouldn't be abnormal to, to assume that people don't know. Yeah, completely. I think that's that's that, that's absolutely the, the correct assumption. And then it's nice when 
you're corrected. Do you know what I mean? If that's, nice, if that's what that you're expecting. That situation with Jack Black was really nice because he said, no, I don't know who you are. And then we had a real laugh together because it wasn't based on anything other than just the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, again, that's that's. But I have that's that real. You're not trying, with... or neither of you are trying to impress anyone as such. No. You're just, oh, this person's nice. I always have that a lot in public, like because sometimes people come up to you and just go, "Can I have a picture with you?" But don't say hello or whatever. Mm. But I always really enjoy it when people come up and say like i wanted to ask what you thought about blah blah and then i quite enjoy conversation because you know i like a chat yeah yeah so i quite like that when people are like oh you said something um and i just wanted to now i've seen you i can ask you like what was that and it's quite nice to just have a conversation a human conversation rather than just i need to record this moment and put it on facebook in fact make the entirety of the moment the recording of the moment do you know what I mean? Rather than we've interacted and now we're having a photo, the only interaction they want is the photo. And it's like, well... But we could have had We a could have chatted instead. Yeah, exactly. Photo. Yeah, we could have engaged and, and, and chatted and had a moment as such rather than just... Yeah. Uh, it's more memorable, isn't it? Yeah, It's like completely. when you do a gig, I always think the, the, ma- the best gigs you ever do are the ones where something goes wrong. 100%. Because that's memorable and then it's how you dealt with it and who helped and what was said and it always becomes memorable like yeah i was at that gig when all the lights went out and then everyone just used their phones to light it and they did it acoustic for like 12 minutes before the power came on that's like moving yeah completely and it it, it gives you a greater sense of pride as well because you overcome a tough situation and problem because because the fact is all the hard work in your career when you get to the point where you've got thousands of people who are there who adore you, the gigs, to an extent, are quite easy because you know how to to, to to do it and they want to enjoy it. Whereas if and you if have you things like the that... words, they can sing them. Exactly, exactly <laughs> that. And if you have that test, though, of, oh, it went wrong, but we did it acoustic and we showed that this isn't... Again, because I, I always remember all the different setups you've had. It's always been amazing musicians, amazing backing singers and everything so it's not just a, a polished pop thing that's appeared out of nowhere if things go if things go wrong you've got people and go all right well let's make this work rather yeah. than we're just going to wait until we fix the electrics the like, no fault. this is a performance and we are performers you, you know yeah. it's a nicer thing so how how was the whole um in the middle of a music career deciding to be a mum and taking a bit of a gap to do that well it was scary but obviously like I wasn't getting any younger so I just thought I need to do it or I'll never do it yeah and I've always wanted to be a mum since I was about 25 and I've got sort of like a long history as well of being quite a maternal person Mm -hmm. like I've always wanting wanted to cultivate other people's talents and like I've I've had, you know, several friends that I've known throughout the years or whatever that have ended up homeless, live at mine. And mm. I always have like a Christmas, for example, where like everyone who hasn't got a family that I know comes around. Amazing. I'm just naturally that type of person. And I feel like I was built for motherhood. And I was. Where do you think that comes from? Was your upbringing kind of, of like that? Kind of did. 
Yeah, well, are, are you and your mum are close? And did yeah, that my mum's of... quite um, was quite amazing. Like when I was a kid, I remember we had this woman from Zimbabwe. No, where was it? She was from somewhere in South Africa, anyway, living in our house for six months because it was when Nelson Mandela was in prison. Oh, right. And they were like saying that black teachers couldn't teach um, in certain schools and stuff. And so instead of staying there, this woman went on, applied for this this thing. And my mum was like, I was only little. And she was like, this lady's coming to live with us until Nelson Mandela's free. And we don't know how long that's going to be. But she's going to come and teach in our school that I work in. And she's living with us until further notice sort of thing and this woman lived with us and then Nelson Mandela was freed and I remember it so well because she was so happy and then she went back amazing and so like I was raised in like a life where it was a bit like that like there were squatters on my street my mum would always drop some Sunday roast around to them on a Sunday they were punks with mohawks where did you grow up in Hackney in Hackney yeah, yeah yeah And we always had, like, all the kids from my street in my house. Yeah. It was just, like, that's the kind of community spirit that I was brought up in. So I've always yeah, had that beautiful. feeling that, like, I'm not singular on my own person. Like, I do have a duty to, like, other people. But then I wanted to be a mother because it sort of never really feels fulfilling like with adults because it's not like 24 7 love yeah yeah so i did like love becoming a mum. i mean it was shocking because no one tells you the truth about it is that it's actually the worst thing you're ever gonna do in your life right in, but what in, way? in the end well i didn't really enjoy being pregnant and then birth was like next level shit yeah um <laughs> again and, and and it is a weird one because uh, Obviously, you're saying that you've always felt maternal, but a, a lot of people, it's that's something that's part of our society anyway. That you're kind of you're meant to become a mum, and then and also that it's this wonderful, beautiful, a blessing. Which, if then it is this scary or challenging or painful or uncomfortable thing, then you can easily feel as if you're doing something wrong or you're you're yeah, wrong you for feeling bad. Yourself. Yeah, completely. And you're failing in some way by going. I don't like this, I'm scared, you know. And it is an innocent that comes along, but the the truth of the matter is, is, like, all the pictures that they show of, like, mothers breastfeeding these babies, gazing gleefully up into their eyes, and it's all a connection, is absolute rubbish, because until they're about five, six months old, they don't really even see properly, so they can't gaze up at you because (laughs) they sort of look through you yeah so it's not like adoring looks it's more like looking up and then through you like you're kind of visible and you're and you're waiting for this huge connection and interaction yeah that's it it's all building up to this the moment the child comes you're gonna have this wonderful connection if you're then like oh this thing in front of me is is looking through me or anything else but then your heart just grows so much and you just like want to be this most amazing person to this thing. And then like 
in my case, I was so sick for so long that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I couldn't be like dynamic and charismatic because I was ill and I was laid up in bed. Yeah, that's tough. And then it takes sort of like five months for them to even smile. And even then you're wondering whether it's just wind. Yeah, 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 <laughs> completely. You're putting all, this, all that pressure on. Please just smile. I'm, I'll take it that. It is a smile. You're going to your partner. No, it, I'm sure it's a smile. And they're like, mm, but they've been farting a lot. And then you're like, but I'm sure it's a smile. Like, it must be a smile. It looks so much like a smile. And then the doctor's like, no, they wouldn't be smiling at three months. That's a, that's wind. And you're like, disappointed <laughs> again. But um, I feel like... I turned a corner at about six months because then it became really rewarding and things escalate really quickly and I was getting better, able to move around and, you know, be a bit more yourself. But Become it yourself took, again, yeah. It took me a lot of time to even, like, get back to it, trying to figure out who I was and even going back to work was kind of scary because I think I experienced a lot of feelings that most mums going back to work experience even though it's a kind of unusual situation to Mm. be a pop star I don't think it was that dissimilar to like somebody working in an office going back because you've had this like crazy life-changing experience where you're so connected like it's to do it's 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 love but it's also nature crazy connection as well Mm -hmm. like for example when my baby started sleeping for a certain chunk of time without feeding for the first time like I knew that it started to become more regular so it'd be like bedtime at seven and then maybe they wouldn't wake up till one Mm -hmm. and then you just know that you put you can actually go to cinema with your mate because you're like they're not waking up yeah and then I remember like the first time I did it and I went to cinema with a friend and then at 11 p.m. the film had just finished. I walked out the cinema, I said to my friend, I'm going to go home. And suddenly my boobs just went mental <laughs> and sort of filled up like I could sort of see them stinging, tingling, everything leaking. And then like I just like text my boyfriend and was like, has the baby woken up? And he goes, no. And then 30 seconds later, he goes, oh, actually, yeah. How did you know? And I was like, my body told me. It's like being a whale. That's crazy. Did you ever (laughs) see that film about the whale's big fish? Or what was it called? In Big Fish, there's these whales in captivity. Oh, yeah, no, I did see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they separate the mum and the baby and they're calling each other from swimming pools. Yeah. I'm telling you, I felt like there a whale the, that night. There is night. that connection there. It's, it's amazing, and it's it's why it can be tough at points for for it, or it, it, it's the it's the different areas of toughness. There's there's incredible pressure on you as the mum because you've gone through this this physical thing. You've got, you've essentially done all the work, but then I've got a lot of friends who, as 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 a dad, a year in was struggling a lot because they felt they hadn't made a connection with yeah. their child that the mother had. But it's because there's also this hormonal and physical yeah, connection that's exactly, there. And, it's love and, and it's not, it's love a bit, but it's also really weirdly trippy. Like we don't really know the truth about it. We're yeah. basically animals yeah. and we sort of have this weird telepathy as well. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's mad. So, so it, it's, it's important to, to, uh, to highlight though that it took, 
six months for you to start to feel, as you as you said just then, to feel kind of okay and yeah. in a, in the right headspace and things like that. Because again, I think there is a lot of, I feel of like pressure, I'm still as everyone says, really that instantly, right. as soon as you see the child's face, it's going to be this or that. And it's like, yeah. if you don't have that, the more pressure, the more people are told that, the more guilty you're going to feel or feel that you've done the wrong thing sure or made a mistake or this say isn't that right. Are, not, are telling the truth. Yeah. I feel like it's a mixed bag of feelings, yeah. especially the first time. Maybe I'm thinking if I did it again, it might come quicker because I sort of know what I'm doing Understand now. It all, yeah. But when you're like first there, you're just like, oh, this isn't what I expected. Yeah. And then no one really prepares you for that. And I asked my mum why. I said, why didn't you tell me that it was so hard? Because I have no doubt in my mind, having now gone through it, that I'm not the apple's of my mum's eye. I know I am, but I also, because I know my child is, yeah. but I was like, why didn't you tell me how difficult it was? Right. And she goes, because no one would do it if you told them. <laughs> right, right, yeah, <laughs> completely, if they knew but the truth. The other thing is, is people go, oh, but would you do it again? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because we're just weird. No, but that's exactly it but though, isn't it? Because if, if, if you know how tough it is, but then you know the other side of that, the connection that then comes and yeah. the emotion that then comes, then you can make that rational choice. Whereas if you were told at the, fr- the start, it's the worst thing in the world. For, so it'll be good, good, good later. Then people will go, fuck the good later bit. I'm, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> let's, let's, I'm not, I've, I've been put off already. The- yeah. Let's not go for that. So uh, how was it then returning to, to, uh, to performing? Because when we uh, last saw each other, um, we were both doing a charity thing for um, yeah, that was the first a one for the boys, and that done. was your first thing since. And I absolutely adored it. Number one, I don't really do a lot of these 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 charity type things. It's not because I hate charities. It's just because I'm really uncomfortable when these things are a room full of generally like rich, r- rich old white men, kind of all eating and drinking and inexpensive clothes. Yeah. But we're doing stuff for charity as well. And that's not to judge anyone or say it's wrong. It's just not somewhere I feel comfortable. I kind of avoid them because I know the good that they do, but but I don't need to be there to Mm. improve upon that. But I got there and I had my little rehearsal. I looked at the place settings and your name was next to mine and it hadn't been announced that you were doing it. So that relaxed me a lot. But then the the other thing was when you actually just took the stage because, I don't know, there was a lot of, Great performances on that night, but it's a weird situation at an award. Uh, not an awards, a charity thing. It's not really a gig set up. Mm. It is what it is. And the people who've been on before were, were very much more from, I guess, that produced pop world, as we were discussing earlier, rather than the performance world. And when you came on, I'd spent the whole time thinking that everyone's doing really good considering the situation. Yeah. And you came on and played it as if you were playing Wembley and you had... <laughs> that's an excitement uh, you had a coat that was 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 falling off of your sh- like the most amazing coat in the world and all this and it was great to see because it was like i could tell what it meant to all of the people around you who knew that this was the first time you were going up there and kind of finding out i guess if you're still if you're still paloma <laughs> so, so how was that to jump up there and do it all again and did it it feel good to go oh to be honest, smash that because <laughs> it was the first one back. I did feel like I was acting a bit, yeah, because it's sort of like you get 
I don't know about you when you perform, but I feel like when you don't do it for a while, you sort of have to pretend to do it to eventually do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And when you start doing that sort of thing every day or every couple of days, then it becomes more natural. Mm -hmm. But I had to sort of break the ice. So I was sort of pretending to be myself. I was kind of like acting as Paloma Faith because I haven't really been Paloma Faith for a while, it felt like just been mum yeah and uh, and that's what's interesting because what people don't understand there's no f- falsehood in it but everyone that performs it's an exaggeration of themselves on stage yeah, it's not you've got exactly to take how a they bit, are it's, there's a bit of cu- courage involved and a bit of yeah. bravery and you've got to put and what was really hard about it for me i think is that it sort of takes a bit of brazenness to perform mm-hmm. and i feel like to be a really good mum which i really want to be You've got to be very soft and kind of nurturing and Mm. you have to open your heart so wide that it's a bit like a net. So if you put a net in the sea to, say, for example, pick up the plastic that's floating in the sea, Mm -hmm. trying to do a good deed, the inevitability is you're going to let some fish in and then you're going to do a bad thing at the same time so it's a bit like that with your heart like you open up to be a good mum and then it means that you're like open up to lots of stuff so if people are negative or if people don't act like they're enjoying it or whatever you feel maybe a bit more oversensitive than normal yeah i get that i I get that you've had to open yourself up so much so in the process of connecting with a child and this kind of thing that yeah, yeah. you're that bit more aware whereas when you're young and carefree you're doing the gig enjoying it with your mates and you're like as long as everyone seems to be having a good time thinks. cool but otherwise I'm having a great time up here yeah exactly so it was a bit scary but also enjoyed it because it was nice to do something reasonably low key yeah as the first one and then I had to go and do another TV show <laughs> not long after and that one I was terrified it's never happened in my career before where they come up to me and said can you do it again because you look scared oh really oh, and I wow. was like <laughs> but oh, that's amazing I've got it back into the flow now mm. so it's just that first bit after like coming back yeah was a bit that's really interesting as well because you are someone who I don't know how long you'd been performing when I first met you but it felt like you're the most comfortable on stage yeah. it's your home you've been doing it your whole life but that gap of i guess in a way as you said you've switched from paloma faith to mum yeah and it's the only time you've done that even if there's been a gap b- between albums you've still been paloma faith out with your mates or whatever else so yeah and even though that, i've crazy. always been working on the records whereas yeah. this time is the first time ever in my career where I've just not done any music for a period of time. Yeah. Because even when I'm not in a public eye when I go away, it's always been like, it's always been that I've been working in the studio or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this time it wasn't. So that was a bit difficult. But I'm really glad with the outcome because I feel like the album that I did was influenced by motherhood oh that's what i was gonna say you spoke of motherhood causing you to have to open your heart up more and then potentially be more sensitive to things i feel that comes across in the record a bit because it feels like a more i don't know more socially conscious more 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 looking at what's wrong 
are what's good with the world as well, but what's wrong with the world. I mean, not to sound like I'm your PR agent, but <laughs> previously, do you want the truth or something beautiful? Was your MO, essentially. You'd cr- create something beautiful. It'd be a beautiful illusion or a, bu- a beautiful d- distraction from the world. And this record seems like one that's going, look, let's have a look at some of this stuff. Mm. We can't remain distracted. Like, we can be distracted a bit, but we can't just ignore it all because that's kind of... The the people who aren't ignoring it all are probably the ones that we need to be keeping an eye on. If we leave it all up to them, then it's yeah. going to be a mess. And I also feel as well that what's interesting is this album I've been sort of up against a lot of criticism from the perspective that, like, some people think that I'm force-feeding them my ideas, which I'm not trying to do. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to prompt a conversation. Yeah. And then some critics or or clever journalists that believe that themselves to be clever have sort of said, she claims it's a socially aware album, could have fooled us because it's so not specific that it almost couldn't be. Mm. But I feel like they think that I just didn't do that on purpose. I did that on purpose because I feel like we live in an age in society where basically it's apolitical and younger generations ours and younger are basically like are either I just vote for what my mum and dad votes for or I don't vote or oh I voted for so and so because I thought they were funny like people always say that they vote for Boris Johnson because he's funny and it's like not really really, yeah and obviously then you end up with Trump in power who's like someone from a reality TV show and I just feel like you can't come into an apolitical culture and suddenly force feed like on your soapbox, you know, who I think is amazing, but you can't go like Billy Bragg or Bob Dylan or whatever in this era because people will just run away and say, mm. this person's ranting, giving me a lecture and I don't want to hear it. And it doesn't work. Like what you have to do is say, I was thinking about this, it's, you know, but if you put it in this context, it can mean this. And if you put it in that context, it can mean that. So that people actually don't feel frightened away. And I feel like that could also be perceived as patronising. It's not meant to be patronising. It's just that I wanted to make a socially aware album that's appropriate for this current climate socially. And the reason why I think politics is in so much like of a state and the social system is so much of a state in the west it's because it's not being modernized Mm. so so people in politics and people you know in society are just saying let's keep trying these old methods and expect people and it's obviously not working and then the journalists come out and say that criticize me for saying it in the way i say it but i'm like well actually do you know what like more people are probably listening to that way of saying it than are tuning into Prime Minister's Question Time mm-hmm. because that is not modernised. It needs modernising. People need to understand what they're listening to. Completely. And they don't... I don't watch Prime Minister's Question Time because I just get so irritated by all the waffle yeah. and lack of directness and also major lack of empathy like it feels like politics is now just a battle of egos and not about saying 
this is for the greater good. It's about the individuals representing and saying, not really being prepared to put their own egos to the side. A hundred percent. And like, it's, it's, it's gone that way for a, a long time. And as, you, as you've highlighted Trump as an example there, where it's characters more than parties that are getting in now. And it's the same, it's been the same with our elections for years because a lot of people who are going out and voting won't realise that they're voting locally in this vote as well. So they're going, I'm voting for the David Cameron or Theresa May or, wh- or whoever it is. It's like, well, no, you're, you're, you're not. Like you're voting local for MP. a guy who lives four doors up the road. Like, what, what do you think of him? Do you think he's right for your area? It's not... It's not just about I'm voting for this one because one of the biggest illusions is that the power position is president or prime minister or whatever else. One person can't run a country and there's yeah. stuff set up to stop that being the case as well. So, But we do. We get, as you said, we get completely stuck on this idea that it's these characters. Yeah. It's, it's Theresa May. It's, it's, it's Trump. It's this, it's that. It's like, or it's, it's Hillary Clinton against Trump. Right, I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. Clinton. I'm not a fan of Trump either. So let's ignore them two and let's look at the two parties yeah. and try and get these figures out of the way and not focus on that. But I, I, I wanted to touch on one of the things you, you, you talked about there. I think you're completely right. I think we've got a real tribalism in society now where if you bring an opposing view to someone, their instinct will often be to lash out and say Aggressive, you're wrong and yeah. you're the enemy and this and that. Where yeah. And I think it happened with a Brexit's a prime example of when a Brexit happened. There was a lot of reaction, from me included, from people on the left saying, this country's racist. It's like, right, it's not as simple as that. There is a load of racists and they need addressing, but there's also a load of people who were a bit confused. Or And there were, again, to be clear, there were people confused on the left and the right because yeah. no one explained anything and no one still understands Brexit. But I mean, I don't think the people in power still understand no, it. exactly. Because they're a bit like, this is happening and we have no idea how we're going to do it. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's essential. And uh, I'm, I'm someone who's, who musically people have always felt it's very strong-willed and ranting or preaching. If you listen to 90% of my songs, it's exactly as you said. It's presenting a conversation point, a discussion yeah. point, and then go from there it's quite it's it, people would be surprised how rare i give an actual opinion of you in most of my stuff because it's like right well no i feel that i know my views i'm it's it's the one place that me and our mutual friend uh, russell brand d- disagree is that or had disagreed he's changing a lot more now as well but i'd always thought i feel i know what's right for me but that doesn't give me the assumption that i know what's right for the country or what's right for everyone else it's yeah. why i keep a lot of my political views private and things like that because it's like right i figured it out for me but i can't pretend to say that i know what's right for a, sing, a single mum of, of four in in newcastle yeah i agree they what's right for them might be completely different to what's right for me and it's not fair to for me to say oh but screw your situation it's best if we go this way yeah it's going to mean your kids are going to be hungry want. but it's best if we go this way so it's crazy at times to think oh i can t- tell everyone what's best because you can't experience everyone's experience so but people yeah and also people keep saying to me things like hilarious things like i've had people say to me why are you why are you a socialist and i say "Uh, because i want what's best for the greater good and then they say yeah but that make that will make your taxes go up yeah and i say yeah yeah cool because i want what's best for the greater good and actually 
believe in paying my taxes to make what's best for the greater good. Yeah, yeah. And I do believe that people who earn more money should pay more tax. Mm-hmm. That is inherent in my belief system. Yeah. And I just think it's weird that you'd ever vote to not do that because then you're just saying, like, I've got mine, so screw everyone out. It's, it's very much the capitalist kind of society that we're, that we've all, again, it's not, I, a lot of people, it's not their their fault, but it's just, it's all we know. That thought of, oh, but some money will be coming out of my pocket makes people go, <gasps> like rich mm. or poor, it doesn't it doesn't matter who, but it scares people. And it's, it's a weird one. I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast, so I'll be a brief with it. But I was reading these essays a while ago that were written just before we decided to go down a capitalist route as a society. So it's killer because it's something I don't think that we could ever go to now, but it would have worked because... This guy had the had the belief that that we should just have set prices for everything. So, for example, lamps Cost are twenty pounds. That's how much a lamp costs. Yeah. Therefore, you can't get a shit one because if someone makes a shit one, you'll go and buy a good one because they're all the same price. And the same with particular vegetable, they're they're the same price. So, it, again, if it's in season then you'll buy it. If you're having to import it from the other end of the world, you won't because you're losing money there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it had this, this set up there that would mean that the goods, the, the quality of goods w- 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 would keep at a high standard because, again, if they're poor quality, they simply won't sell. Yeah. And everyone would have a chance to excel because although kitchens all cost the same, if you're g- good at your job, then you'll be busy constantly. If you're bad at it, then you won't be. But it's such a hard one for people to get their heads around because we all love Black Friday sales or Christmas sales or January sales because we all love, we've been brought up to have this idea of, oh, but I'm getting 50% off. But you're not. You're basically always just paying 50% more all the time for yeah. what they actually have to charge. A hundred percent, hundred percent. It's such a weird a con that we get to into. Just go and when it's not in the sales. Yeah, 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 <laughs> completely. And it'd be, it'd be, it, people don't realise that because of our sale culture, that's built into all prices now that they're released at a certain price to to, have, to, to be able to reduce. I've I've had that uh, also, with my my it's... web store before where I've said, well, if we set with this price, then uh, we can discount them at Christmas. And I was like, well, let's just sell them at the price the discount at the fair price. Let's just sell a fair price. And I get a few people angry because I don't do Christmas sales or Black Friday sales or wherever else. But it's like, no, I don't I don't make enough on my merch to do that. I sell it at what I think is fair. If you want it have it if not that's fine again it's again it's that weird thing of the illusion that we should all be entitled to everything it's like no i I grew up and i couldn't have most things because we were poor i couldn't i didn't have parents who'd pay for everything so you'd save up you can't have it you can't have it and Mm. yeah it's a weird part of our society where there is that constant keep hold of of what i've got over anything else rather than as you said looking at let's make it the best for everyone and even even not not to get too deep and heavy on it, but I think we should be looking gl- gl- globally on it all anyway. This idea of countries and there's some huge relevance on the bit of dirt that you happen to be born on, yeah, is mental. I guess less so with England because we're in Ireland, but so many different countries where there's just someone somewhere drawn a map, and, and it's like, well, we're allowed this and you're not. And the people over there are starving and we can't help them because they're not part of our... Our taxes can't help them because they're a different country. It's like, they're literally over there. Like you can, can see wave. them. You can wave at them. 
And it's yeah. mad. We do have that kind of that we but have to look after our own stuff first. That I was thinking about when writing yeah. the album and that I think was influenced by becoming a mother and saying like, okay, so my kid's gonna say, What did you do when you were pregnant with me? And I'm gonna go this yeah. and then they're gonna hear it. And it's going to basically say, I thought to myself, I need to not only like write something that I like and I'm proud of, but I also got to remember that there's an absolute guarantee that my child's going to listen to this and say, you wrote that when you were pregnant with me. And what do I want them to take from it, basically? That's a great point. So the whole thing is about kindness and empathy and compassion and qualities that i think are the most valuable qualities of being mm. a human being that like i as a parent do not care with my child successfully in school or whatever what i care about is whether they're a kind person whether they're able to empathize with other people whether they're gonna feel like it's upsetting if another kid hits another kid like mm. all those things yeah because that's what i value yeah. So that's what I tried to do. And then I'm really proud of my website because I just launched it and it's basically like says, help us spread an epidemic of kindness. Yeah, and people can go on there and there's... Yeah, and they can look at like... Basically what I wanted to do is I feel like a lot of charity, like you mentioned before, is financial. Mm-hmm. So there are bits on it that takes you through to like places where you can get involved with donations yeah but mainly they're supposed to be to do with crisis appeals like things happening right now that need aid but most of the website is actually about not money it's Mm. about how you can make the world better just on a really small scale and just starting today sort of thing so each section it's split into like evolution kindness um, empathy and revolution mm-hmm. not evolution environment and you can go on and then each bit's got like five things you can start doing today so for example empathy is kind of like don't assume that everyone you're speaking to had a good day so if you're upset about something choose your words wisely yeah. sort of stuff like that yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, environments yeah. like switch the lights off when you leave a room like it's really basic possible stuff i i, I like it though because there's a range on there of from small to bigger kind of a, yeah. like, as you said there are options to go and, and donate or go and volunteer or yeah, go and do and this and that. Got, but then there's yeah. also look i understand that you're busy as well do you know so what i mean i'm not saying that, that you need to quit thing. your job and go and work at a commune you know yeah, i'm but saying there but is here's stuff you can do, do. yeah but let's try yeah. if you can't then do your little bit and it I feel like it's important to know for everyone to know that we're all responsible for the world and it's you know yeah, each other. So we have to all pull our weight and do as little or as much as we can. Yeah. And that might just be a little thing every day and I think it's important. Like some of it's like oh check on your neighbor that lives alone. Yeah, yeah. You know like go and have a chat with them and every think- so often. Like stuff like that's really important because communities sort of a dying thing in a way and not in some areas but I always feel really warmed when there is proper community yeah. and I grew up in a really good community yeah and it's it's a beautiful thing because I think for 
for better or worse, the idea of charity has changed as well because it should be a lot of that stuff as well as a lot of the more I'm doing a, a just giving page. And like, yeah. l- l- like there's a lot of charity now that if it's not a social media push or on my Facebook page, then y- you're not doing anything. There's loads as is listed on your site that you can just do to do it doesn't have do... to be this big look no. everyone vote for me i'm doing this it's like and lots of people do, do it, it without even thinking about it like i know people yeah. you know my friend you just met whose family basically like her dad sleeps in a homeless shelter once a week and he's yeah. in his 70s and he goes and he just has a chat because people just want to have a chat have a conversation yeah. and some people just haven't, like, it's weird, like, some people haven't been touched in a long time. Yeah. Not talking about, like, rubbing up against someone, yeah. but, like, just to squeeze someone's hand. Oh, I, I, I did a homelessness be... special on this, and one of the, the, the groups I had on were a group called Haircuts for the Homeless, and they just give haircuts to homeless people, and they did it just because they're all hairdressers, and they learnt really quickly that it's a massive deal because that's a really intimate situation because you're touching someone's hair for a long yeah. time, you're in close proximity. And they were saying it would, they were amazed to see the change in people that you're caring to change their appearance because I don't care what anyone says, appearance affects people. You, if you look good, you feel good f- f- for that day. It's so shallow and, and it's so everything else, but it's, it's, it it's rooted into us, it helps. So, but they were saying their idea was exactly that. They'll they'll look nicer and feel better about themselves. And those but, were a group of hairdressers that probably thought, we really want to do something, but yeah. we're just hairdressers, so what can we do? What can we do? Oh, oh we'll this. just do what we do. And that was it. And, and that's what surprised them, was the thing that meant all the more was having that close interaction. As you said, yeah. just being touched, just being yeah. someone who's not going, ugh. It's like, all right, let's wash your hair. Let's do this. Let's, let's do that. And just chatting to them and engaging and talking and having a prolonged conversation again how many homeless people are sitting down with someone for half an hour and just chatting they might have people go all right mate or someone yeah. be polite I have a good day but i'm not, not getting this that. either from a perspective of like the cliche of you know pop star suddenly feels major guilt about success and then yeah. wants to suddenly go charity no i just i've always it's what you grew up that. with and grew up around yeah been around it and always been like that but not in public yeah and then i just felt like because of being a mum like literally it's just a message to my kid to say this is your heritage like you come from a line of people that helped people out and i want you to continue that so it's partly to do with that but also partly just thinking like just planting a seed i went to see michael moore once give a talk and he said it and he and it really rung true to me he said the reason why things don't change often is because people think that what needs to change is so big that they're completely powerless mm-hmm. in being able to change it. So then they're inactive and they don't do anything. Yeah. But his point was, if everyone did a little bit, it's like with charity donations. People don't donate because they go, I haven't got 20 quid to spare. But if every single person that that was sent something saying will you donate to this crisis appeal donated 50 pence Mm -hmm. which is a kind of achievable amount yeah how many people are in london say for example nine million isn't it yeah so if everyone in london donated 50 pence yeah of their money then you'd make 4.5 million pounds yeah instantly yeah that's a lot of money so it's just like the same 
as with money, with actions. So if everyone in London changed one thing to make the world better, it would be better. Yeah, completely. And I think the outlook I've always had, or the easiest way I've always had to sum it up, is changing the world. That's that sounds that's pretty a massive daunting. job. That's pretty big. But changing your world is easy, and and we all know that from. I said, how different you feel after having a haircut or yeah. p- putting a good song on. That changes your world. You're in a better mood. Everything goes away. This and that. So you can do more of that to change your world. You yeah. can change, you can interact with, as you said, the people on your street. And also you, you, part you, you of You don't it, have to travel the whole country, interact totally. with everyone. You can interact on your street and know that. And then if someone on the next street is doing that, then great. And all it takes is one more on the next street. And it doesn't even take every one of those nine million half of them and you've suddenly got this this chain of of interaction on the on the website where it says help us spread an epidemic of kindness i'm also telling myself yeah because i've put things on there that i didn't always do yeah and i've only recently said to myself i've got to do that like you hold yourself to accountability yeah by doing that i am holding my hands up and saying i want to do it too yeah i want to go I don't need to leave the tap running when I'm brushing my teeth in between. It's so yeah. tiny yeah. and I feel terrible. I'm like, no, I always leave the tap running. But yeah. recently, since I launched my website, I've stopped leaving the tap running. Yeah. yeah, Because I'm like, no, it's not just me preaching and saying to people, do as I do, I'm perfect and I'm an angel. Because I'm not. I'm just saying, this is so easy to do. I want to do it and I hope other people do it as it's, well. It's mad though, isn't it? Because it's proper mum and dad stuff. It's like, turn the light off when you leave the room. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe I should have done that. As a kid, no. you're like, oh, oh. Yeah, they're just nagging. Like, it's like, no, actually. Oh, no, I could have done that and it would have made a difference. You watched that David Attenborough. I've not watched any of them um, yet. I was away when they started the blue, yeah. the new Blue Planet one. Blue Planet yeah. too. So last night was an episode and he was just talking about the sea and he was saying, like, all these beautiful birds that they had on there, aardvarks, were like swallowing plastic. Yeah. And he took, this woman took some of the plastic and showed you what it was. And it was like a rice packet yeah, and a bit of cling wrap. Yeah. And it had regurgitated it, but some of them don't. Yeah. And just stuff like that. It's yeah. like, oh, do you know what? It's just so sad. It's, it's, it's the assumption that, number one, it's the assumption that no one else will do it. So why bother? And also it's the assumption that it matters what the fuck, the fuck anyone else is doing. That yeah. shouldn't lead why you're doing stuff. Well, it's not worth me doing it because unless, no unless we all do it. It's like, it. F- f- fuck everyone else. Do, do, do it because it. it's right for you to do it. Yeah. Not because you're going to change the world of this app, because you it's the what? right thing for you it's, to do. It's true. I watched this TED Talks as well, which was re- some of them are really good. And it was talking about um, it being a sort of people starting to worry about doing kind things. Yeah. Um, because they're saying, like, oh, I've stopped doing that because it feels like it's more for me than it is for the person I'm helping. If the result is good. Yeah, and then it's like, well, what's wrong with saying, I feel really good because I went out last night and gave, you know, a 100 sleeping bags out to homeless people sleeping in the cold in this mm. winter, which is about to freeze over. Yeah. Do it anyway. Like, do you know what? Do go out. 
and give those hundred sleeping bags and then feel good about what you've yeah. done afterwards. Yeah. Because you should feel good about it because it was a good thing and it was nice. Yeah. And there's no shame in feeling nice about doing nice and, things and, for people. And the thing you could do to feel good is... Helping. Sit and watch a film and eat ice cream. That's not going to help anyone else. That's great because it does feel good, but it's not going to help anyone else. So if you're going to do something to make yourself feel good, do me, the one that helps someone else as well. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The guilt will see better. Before we forget, what is the website address? Oh, it's dot com. That's perfect. Um, I'll start to uh, to wrap things up as we're at an hour, and I want you to be able to eat and relax and enjoy your evening. Um, uh, I do want to. Uh, because because we were discussing it just now and it cracked me up when all the all the furore was on social media talk about gender neutral and so on and so forth because there was this huge uproar that you're you're raising your child gender neutral number one the huge uproar is hilarious to me because people are getting angry about someone they'll never meet something they have nothing to that is nothing to do with them but the thing that made me laugh more was discussing it with you when I got here that it's you're just not you're choosing not to share the gender of your child in the public in the public yeah anything other than that is no one's business yeah yeah it's just because I just want my child to have a normal ish as normal as they can life yeah and I don't want them to feel under sort of like the public eye or whatever because yeah because I think that it takes a certain character to be able to be resilient enough to deal with that. Yeah. And that's not a default setting of being born no. to somebody who's chosen that for themselves, which I have. Yeah. Um, my child may or may not grow up to find it either intimidating or threatening or scary or... Um, overwhelming and not want that attention yeah and i just feel like you know i I sort of vice about it it doesn't come from nothing i spoke to someone who deals with child protection as a profession yeah and their advice to me was like you need to basically give as little information about your child in public domain as you possibly can yeah in order to like make sure that that people don't know who they are and don't yeah you know, impose that on them if that's what you want. And yeah. I was like, that's 100% what I want. Yeah, so, I so don't they can develop naturally and decide what... Uh, it's not they a gender neutrality sh- thing. It's a, it's a whole neutrality thing. It's deciding what they want to be. might be and they might be gay and they might be straight, but they also might be super shy and super, like, normal and straight and heterosexual and want to work in insurance on the phone lines and not want people to know who their mum is yeah, yeah. and just like want to do anything but I just don't want to restrict that so I feel like it's kind of mad a combination of kind of media um sensationalism and completely media sensationalism I said oh, when I saw the headline and then read the actual quote from you and the actual quote from you was talking about how you don't want to have toys that are gender specific yeah. kind of thing that are here's the blue for the boy and the pink for the girl or so yeah. on and so forth. That was all the quote in that article was. And, the and then it was of it kids, was then this to big be thing honest, of RAs like that now. Yeah, 100%. Like I see little boys in the park all the time carrying dolls yeah. and I see little girls going Nina Nina on a fire engine. So that's pretty standard in yeah. terms of raising your kids nowadays. It's no, it, it's no great sh- a, sh- a shock but what the the reality is it's 
so rather than saying I want my child to have the choice of what gender they are, you say I want my child to have the choice of what everything they are. If your yeah. child at some point decides it wants to be the child of Paloma Faith and wants to be a public celebrity child it. and public and this kind of thing, then they will have that choice, and right? They can when, do they're that when they're an age that they 18, can, yeah. but not before because yeah. they might regret it. Exactly. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. So when they're at an age to to make those decisions, rather than because it's a bizarre one that that's, that celebrity is the one thing that we feel people shouldn't have the right to have a choice on. Well, I think it's also it is, because that people say, "Well, it's 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 the Beckham's child; they're famous." It's like, well, but no. I think it's because people see celebrity as they can't understand why anyone wouldn't want it, oh. and I feel like it's, it's so terrible. desirable. But actually, it doesn't suit a lot of personalities. Completely. And even I, who, you know, as you said earlier, sort of always seemed like I was up for it. Yeah, yeah. I struggle with certain elements of it. And I'm not complaining because I feel like every job you ever do has got pros and cons. Like, I know doctors who are like, I love my job because I save people's lives. But... It's really difficult on the NHS at the moment yeah. because of the cuts and all the paperwork and all you really want to do is, you know, same people who are working in education and they're just like, feel like the majority of their time spending filling out forms rather than it teaching kids to read and their hands are tied and that sort of stuff. And then, you know, it sounds mad, but being a pop star is, there are some annoying things about Completely. it. And it's not about me complaining, it's just, you know, it just is what it is. Any it's job. It's a job. It's hard. It's 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 a hard job, but it's and it's a job I, I like any other. I always remember when I was seeing a girl in America who was far more famous than me and had paps and stuff all the time, and I, it confused me at first that all of her friends were famous, but from different areas, from acting, from music, from mm. art, from all different things. I thought that's odd, and then I realised it's because they're the people that she can say, "Oh, I'm so knackered at the moment." And not have them go, you kidding? you got the dream life. you got the dream job. You're touring the world. You're doing this and that. It's because she, she can relax and say, I'm really burnt out at the moment. Without people going, mate, I work in an office. Because again, every job is hard in a different way. So it's, mm. it's, but it's often, it's not acceptable for a pop star to say, I'm but really I struggling like at the that, moment. That's going back to what we were saying, it's like, I don't want to put that on my child. Because my child might say, that's not for me. Yeah. And how can I get out of this once mm. it's already done? Exactly. Uh, once it's it's locked in. Yeah, no and also it's, you've decided that for me and I sort of hate you for it. And I, th- I think you're right. It's the misperception that who wouldn't I want to be famous? And that's such a weird thing in society now. One that I, I, I argue it a lot because people will say, people who are an example as something that, that you've been involved in, so I'm sure you would have seen a lot of love and a lot of backlash of of of, of reality of music shows, yeah. a music a contest. People will say this person is known all around the world. They're, they're they're world famous for going on a stupid singing show, whereas there's a scientist over here. No one knows who he is. And my argument is always that scientist doesn't give a fuck if anyone knows who he is because <laughs> he he's not sitting want- there thinking. I'm the best in the world at this and I'm saving lives. But what I'd really like is to be famous. It's like, it's that illusion that fame trumps everything. I guarantee that this scientist who's saving lives and changing the world is going to bed feeling so pleased with himself and proud of himself. He just doesn't need, he's not thinking, if only I could sing on a stage. You know, yeah. that, that, 
that's not the reality. But we do have that weird perception that that who wouldn't want. Fame. I think I know what kind of people want to be famous, and I think what it boils down to is like a weird type of insecurity that demands, and it's like an addiction. So it's an it's a void that will will absolutely never be filled. Yeah, yeah. That basically is like okay, so. In order to feel like a whole person, I need 20,000 people a night to validate my existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a severe psychological problem. It really Literally, is. Literally, like, you feel like less of a person when you haven't been clapped at for, like, a few weeks. And, and you're completely like, it's an addiction I feel as unvalidated, well. I feel lost. Because like know. any addiction, though, it, 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 it dilutes. Like, you're doing a tour, and at first it's great, and then you're like, well... I, I remember getting a message halfway through a tour, or, or I was getting messages every night saying, how was t- 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 tonight's gig? And about four nights in, I'd say, look, just stop asking, because it was good. That's just, the, that's, it was it was cool. I've, I've, I've not got a unique story from every gig. Like, this is my job. I'm doing this every night. So it is that weird thing that it does become, yeah, yep, it was lovely. Um, all I can tell you is the location, pretty much. <laughs> Unless, as you said, something weird happens or bad happens. But it is that weird thing that you get that validation, but then that validation becomes the norm. So do you need greater validation? And yeah, yeah the and trappings then it's, of this industry. Yeah, you completely like get stuck. And then you're like, I want more now. So now I want to I wanna do 200 people. Then I want to play to 1,000 people. And then I want to play to 8,000 people. And I still don't feel confident. Why don't I feel confident? Yeah. I'm sure 10,000 people will help me feel confident. Yeah. And then you're just like, no, no, I don't feel confident. And then you're like, 20,000 people's got to make you feel it. confident. How, how's it, how have you handled the celebrity side of success because there is a side and it's often so much more for women that there is a side that is nothing to do with you smashing at a gig or your talent there is a side where it's what you're wearing and where you are and how you look and things like that was that something that you had to get used to or get ignore the compliments as well as the insults or whatever else how how did you kind of adapt to that or have you have you ever adapted no, I'm that. still not really good at it. Because you are, are someone who's always worn very outlandish and outrageous outfits. So you were, even when you were climbing on the on 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 the venue or audience size scale, you were getting a lot of attention for how yeah. you looked and how you appeared and you stood out of things. So how was that kind of that extra? spotlight i guess i just think it's weird that people think don't realize that i'm doing it tongue-in-cheek like yeah. i feel like it's weird when people say what the hell she been wearing and puts me in a column like that because it's yeah. like i know <laughs> <laughs> it's funny isn't it yeah how mental's this <laughs> yeah yeah so this is a bit weird but um i feel like there's a massive pressure on women to like be attractive and i find the most common tweets that I get are hilarious and it's it's so weird that so many people tweet me saying, it's men saying, is it bad to admit that I've got a secret crush on Paloma Faith? I know she's a bit weird. It's just bizarre, isn't it? And it's like, I don't know how to take that, mate. Like, no. 
Um, <laughs> people just say the weirdest shit like that, as but if that's, that's acceptable. quite a common one for me to get. It's like my guilty pleasure. Don't tell my mates, but my crush is. That's horrible, though, isn't it? That's horrible because it's not. It's 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 it's. They're, they're thinking that the 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 great compliment of their affection. Barry from Southampton being attracted to you outweighs the insult of saying, "Oh, don't tell anyone." <laughs> and this and that it's like that's fucking bizarrely arrogant and and strange to have that perception right i'm kind of saying i'm kind of insulting someone but i'm also giving them the blessing of of my affections and but i feel like, like it sort of Barry. boils down to, it it boils down to the fact that the truth is is what makes someone attractive is not what we're told socially what makes someone attractive is not necessarily like being skinny or wearing thigh-high boots and a revealing top. It's confidence. 100%. And it's like saying, I'm this and I am, I accept myself. Yeah. And so therefore, you're attractive, really. So it's sort of like, it's confusing to people because they'd be like, normally I wouldn't like a girl wearing a hippo dress, but for some reason... (laughs) There's something there. I, 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 I completely agree, and I wish that there was more acknowledgement and acceptance of that. I, the amount of times at small gigs or big gigs, I've just been in complete awe of someone because of their talent and skill as a singer. I'm three or four times it's been backing singers of yours at some point that I've been yeah, like they're amazing aren't they? who is this person and then again it's it's not this it's not a sexual thing it's not a creepy thing it's just like wow because you're someone who's always given them the forefront as well it's not a backing thing there will be points where it's their they show as own, such yeah. yeah and it has been there's been things where it's like obviously I know Paloma and I know how talented a Paloma is but it's their moments when someone catches you off guard who you've never had any experience of and you're just like wow that's the most beautiful and amazing thing I've ever seen. And that should be highlighted more than a photo of someone that's been been photoshopped or yeah. at a really good angle or whatever else, you know? I know. I know. Anyway. Well, there we go. Well, thank you very much. Lovely I'll wrap things up there. It's been lovely to catch up. Sorry about all the kitchen sound effects. No, it's good. I like it. It's, 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 it's the, it's, it's, it's the exciting backdrop of a working home. <laughs> <laughs> it's reality well thank you very much and Thanks. where can people keep up to date on everything on, on social media I guess yeah right? social media and my website and the website which has got yeah it's, it's, it's definitely worth a visit but not with an F T-H dot com <laughs> perfect well, thank you very much <laughs> cheers There we go. That was Paloma Faith. I was obviously hugely excited to catch up with my pal. Um, and I hope you all enjoyed that. If you did enjoy that, we've had loads of good guests in the past. People that me and Paloma know, Laura Dockrill, Gemma Carney, loads of people, loads, loads of good guests. So I hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back next week with the wonderful Guz Khan. I think I might, I, I'm, I'm recording a lot of podcasts at the moment and the order is, 
is is forever at risk of changing. But at the moment, the plan is Guzcon next week. I might move that about. We'll see. But um, I hope you all enjoyed that. And um, I'll talk to you in a bit. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Oh, oh, I should mention the club night's back. Um, I'm returning with my crew and the We Are Lizards club night on January, when is it, 27th? I'm scrolling through my phone to look for the artwork and speaking in a slightly high-pitched voice. Here's a little thing for you while I'm searching for the artwork and the exact date. I'm now, right, going to tell Buddy Peace, who who puts together the podcast for me, I'm going to tell him to cut in a bit of me talking about the club night at the beginning of this podcast and at the beginning of last week's podcast. Now, I forgot to mention it, but the beautiful part is it's going to have gone in, you're going to have heard it, and now I've just revealed it's all smoke and mirrors, and he, he, he snuck that in. So it's on January 27th, and we're joined by the legend that is Don Letts. Um, it's at the book club, come down, um, 8 till 2 a.m. We've been had we've been lucky enough to have sold out nights there for five years now they get rammed um there's a queue jump list if you send your names your name and the name of anyone you want on the list to info at the trash society.com um that that list is actually run by Stuart Ariffin of the hardcore listing podcast so yeah come down we'll see you then other than that i'll see you in a bit ta-ta